Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hey, you may be seated. We have such a good God. He loves us so much. And He's so good to us. I brought some grapes. Mm. Wow, really good ones. Very tasty, sweet. Ita, you want to try one? Have one. Enjoy it. It's really sweet and juicy. Who wants one? Marion? Yeah, come and have one. I want to share what I have, you know, share the wear. <laughs> mm. Wow. Really good and fresh. You know, the closer we get to each other in our lives, the closer we get to people, the more we get to enjoy each other's tastes. Most of the time it's really enjoyable. And we say, wow, yeah, I'll take some more. <laughs> that was really good. And sometimes it feels like, oh, it almost makes you want to throw up. Yeah, it can be that hard. <laughs> Do you know people like that? No, you don't. Uh, no, it doesn't happen to you. <laughs> you know, when we go to the Bible and look at the word of Jesus, it says we will bear fruit and we will bear much fruit. Jesus called us to bear much fruit, and not only much fruit, but also fruit that will last. So you and me, when people taste our lives, they will go and have some. They will say, wow, mm. I, can, I can smell some or taste like um, love. Wow, I can feel some, some patience in here. I feel some self-discipline. Wow, this guy, it really reminds me of, it reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me of Jesus. When I taste from this guy's life, when I taste this lady's life, I taste Jesus. This is what you and me, what we are called to be. A taste of Jesus in the life. We will bear fruit that will last. And you know, to bear fruit is not just, um, it's, that's the end of a process. Jesus says, give me the verse again, please. <laughs> you make me point to the celebration. Jesus says, you will bear fruit. And then he says, you might go and bear fruit. It means you will have to go and bear fruit. It's not just happening overnight that you will bear fruit that reminds people of Jesus. It will happen while you are going. It is the end of a process. If you look at the plants, the fruit is at the end of a process. It starts with a, with a seed. You see it on the screen behind me. It starts with a, with a seed. It will uh, grow some roots and someday it will shoot through the earth and be visible and the plant will grow again, and in the end of the process, there will be fruit. So when Jesus says, says, go and bear fruit, he means the process, go the process. You know, one guy in the Bible who did that was King David. You see him behind me, he really was bearing fruit. He is the king everybody is talking about up till today. The Jews talk about him, Christians talk about him, even Muslims. Uh, in the Quran, they read about King David. He bore a lot of fruit. And even in his life, it started 
when he was a teenager with a seed. There was a moment where God planted a seed in his heart. And the story began when God sent the prophet Samuel to David's father, Jesse. And we will dive into this story with a few sentences. Listen to the story. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. And he's out in the fields, watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome, with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. That God has a different point of view when he measures what's happening in our lives. Let's zoom in to this verse again, where God told Samuel, don't look at what you see. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. He says, people, this is you and me, we look at the outward appearance. Has it ever happened to you that you had a look at the outward appearance of people? The Lord says, the Lord looks at the heart. The heart is not visible. Have you ever seen a heart of a living person? And if so, you're probably a doctor and you saw the heart pumping. It's not the heart God is talking about. God is talking about the heart, the character, what is inside of us. The Lord doesn't see or have, has a look at the fruit um, from the outside like we do when we go to the supermarket. Do you know these... Uh, This, this kind of fruit that is really red. Maybe sometimes you go to the supermarket, you see the apples, you see they are red, they look juicy and fresh, and you buy them, you bring them home, and then you take one, you bite into it, and then, wow, wow, that is so sour. <laughs> wow, you want to spit it out, you know? It is gross. But, but you, talk, you, you bought it because it appeared to be ripe. It appeared to be mature to eat. So this is what God means. Sometimes in our lives, we measure what we see instead of measuring the heart. 
You know, in the next few weeks, we want to talk about David, but we want to talk about God, who is um, having a look at the roots before having a look, look at the fruit. We want to champion the journey instead of championing just the accomplishments. The world always measures the accomplishments. We, we share it on the Facebook and Instagram. We look at the appearance of people, but God looks at the heart. So we want to be a church, a family that champions the journey. Roots, become, roots come before the fruit. The invisible comes before the visible. The path is before you get to the end of a journey. That's why we want to champion the journey to be fruitful. Are you with me in that journey for the next few weeks? It's going to be exciting. And I love it because we Christians, we should be the ones who champion journeys because it is our calling to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And we want to champion that. It is our sweet spot as Christians. And we want to talk about it the next few weeks. It all starts, as you've seen it before, it starts with the seed. That is a beautiful seed, isn't it? Yeah, maybe you want to take, uh, give a hand to the people who did it. That was uh, the foundation team. It's such a beautiful seed. It looks, le it looks so real. You always want to, you want to bite in it. <laughs> But I have to tell it because it's part of my message. It doesn't look really spectacular. But it actually does. <laughs> But a normal seed, not talking about this one, a normal seed doesn't look so very spectacular. That's like David's life. When God saw David, he looked at his heart. He had a look at his heart. He said, I like his heart. I like his heart. But what people saw in David was not really spectacular. He, he even was forgotten somewhere out with the goats and the sheep. The father even didn't think about his eighth son. The prophet has, had to ask him, is this all you've got? And he said, oh, oh yes, yeah, it's, it's true. There is one more. <laughs> I got one more. <laughs> How can you forget about the son? So it's not really spectacular. But God said, I chose him. Anoint him because he had a look at his heart. You know, the seed has all the potential for generations. A seed doesn't look spectacular, but a seed bears everything inside of it to have an influence for not one generation, for many generations, because a seed will bring fruit, and in all the fruit there will be more seed, and that's how God is. He is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of 30 and 60 and a hundredfold fruit. That is who God is. God is the God who can multiply what's inside of the seed, even if it doesn't look spectacular. But the important thing is the heart. You know, the question is what's happening with the seed in the gardener's hand? Your life maybe doesn't look very spectacular. But inside of you, there is a potential for generations. God says, I will bless you if you walk with me. I will bless you in a thousand generations. That is crazy. 
Have a look at David's life. David was the first king of Israel who really pleased God's heart. And God started a new generation of kings. He had the influence for all the kings coming after him. David was the one who was the, who was the father of the generations, 14 generations until the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who is called the son of David. Can you imagine the potential inside of the seed of David's life? He was the one who would go before Jesus. And Jesus Christ himself is called son of David. David wrote some Psalms. We still sing them today. We meditate over the Psalms of David. We still take David as an example how to spend time with God, how to be intimate with God. So a seed definitely bears every potential needed to be fruitful for generations. It all starts with a seed and the question in our lives, also in your life, what happens with our lives in the hand of God? If we have a look at the Bible, I want to read the verse to you. That is a very famous verse and sometimes we just read it and we, yeah, we skip it. And I want to read it again to you. As soon as I found it, maybe I'll look, have a look at the screen behind me. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The, the question is what happens? Do you allow God to plant you in the earth? Do you allow God to plant you in a place where you maybe don't like it? It looks a bit um, dirty in here, right? It looks uh, not really spectacular. It looks a bit um, close. There's not so much space in it. And if God is allowed to plant you, your life, as a seed, then it can bear fruit. If you um, refuse that God can plant you inside and you walk around and uh, you don't want to be planted somewhere in your life, you will not have everything that is in, the, in you. You won't see it, how it's going to happen. Your potential is going to be wasted. The question is, is God allowed to plant you in the earth? And you know, it's a bit dirty. It's a bit strange. <laughs> it's a bit dark. It's a, it's a dark place. It's a dirty place. But it's the only place where a seed can bear fruit when it is planted into the earth and when it dies. Wow. Very exciting. <laughs> when it dies. <laughs> you know, our lives sometimes feel like a dirty place. Like a dark place. Like a place where there's not so much space for our dreams, for our passion but it's the only way to bring out your potential when you let God plant you in a place and when you die. And to die doesn't mean you really die. It means you surrender everything you have to God and you say, God, you're the one. You're the king of my dreams. I let go. Plant me in my family. Plant me in the church. Plant me to my working place. Plant me there. And it's really concrete. If God plants you in a place, you will feel it. 
And I'm sure some of us are feeling it, that we are planted. I want to tell you a story from Jovi here in our church. She went through a season where it was not really comfortable, where her dreams were not really coming true. Thanks for sharing, Jovi. Give a hand to Jovi. <laughs> and of, at the end of high school, I had, like all others, to decide which study I wanted to start it. And I can still remember that I was very determined in asking God um, to be a part of this decision and to show me which study I should start that would eventually lead to a job in which I really could serve him and his, and, and his kingdom. And then it became clear to me in only two weeks that I should study cultural anthropology. And I started and throughout my study, I was sure I took the right decision because uh, I was selected for great internships and researches both abroad and in my own country. And, and after four years, I graduated and I was ready to start my search for a job. But then when I started to send the application letters, the first no came, and the second and the third and even more. And it was really hard for me. Every no, uh, yeah, it was like a, a punch in the face. Um, and besides that, uh, besides my search, I have to do a full-time job uh, to pay the bills. And I started working at a juice bar and later at a coffee place. And then I started noticing that my motivation at the, at the start of it was still there. I, I really wanted to go to work, but uh, as the years gone by, I wasn't sure anymore. Uh, did God make a mistake? Did I make a mistake along the way? And I was really doubting it. And this doubting uh, changed in disappointment. And at a certain point, I was even angry. I was burning with passion to start a job in which my passion was in the cultural anthropology field. And I was working at a coffee place and I was not seeing my opportunities there. And then I knew that I had to make a decision. Every single morning, I had to ask God to give me motivation for my job, to see the opportunity that were right in front of me instead of focusing on what had yet to come. And when I made this decision, it became easier to go to my job. And after a couple of months, I decided to come to Zurich to do an internship. And already after three months, um, it, I noticed that I was at the right place. All of a sudden, I could produce my skills and my passion and my knowledge that I learned in my study. I was so very blessed. And at the end, it, it took me like three years to come there. But these three years learned me like a mo the most important lesson in my life, that God is not um, forgetting his promises, that he is working. Even when I, I think that nothing is happening, he is working and he will bring me to a place where I can be a light only if I decide that it's right there and not there. And yeah, that's like, <laughs> for Thank me, that you. was a great moment. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jovi. Sometimes our lives feel like digging in the dirt. And it is the path, parting of the paths, whether we allow God to plant us, even if it's dirty. And when we allow God, it will not feel comfortable, but we will say yes to die in the dirt, because this is the destiny of every seed. You go and die in the dirt. It's not 
that you have an ex exciting life. Sometimes life is exciting, but I'm sure every single person in here knows these moments. Maybe you're with the kids, maybe you're somewhere abroad, you don't know anyone here in Switzerland, your life is tough, it feels like digging in the dirt, you're hoping to break through one day, and I want to encourage you today, stay where you are, because God planted you where you are. God is where you are. It's not somewhere else, it's a very concrete place where God planted you. It's the parting of the ways for all the seeds here on the earth. Many people started well, but if you want to finish well, stay where you are. Believe that God um, will be the best one to entrust your dreams in his hands. If you trust your dreams in his hands, it doesn't mean they're going to be lost. It, it means that it's in his hands and it's in his timing. Another lesson that I learned personally by being planted in a concrete place, by being planted in the dirt, is that I trust God with his curriculum. I say yes to his curriculum. Sometimes you learn lessons in life and you're not really aware of it. Sometimes you feel your life is like digging in the dirt and it's, it's exhausting, it's not really exciting, and then suddenly you realize it's only because you're struggling against God's lessons. I realized that 70 and 17 and a half years ago, not 70, not that old, but 17 and a half years ago, I was hired here in ICF. I was, that was my dream. I could start to, to be a pastor in the church. And every single Sunday, I went home with a big load of contact cards of people who wanted to be part of the church. At that time, our church was really growing very fast. We had great Sundays. We connected to people. It's still happening today. Um, but then it was a bit new because we, knew, we moved to a new location and it really exploded. And I was responsible to integrate these people. And it, I didn't like it at all because I went home and I knew during the next days and weeks I would be responsible to integrate those people. So I walked around in a church and I talked to the small group people and said, hey, you, you want to have that person? I was like selling people, you know? I was a, a dealer. David, you want to have one? <laughs> and the people said, no, no, I, my small group is really full at the moment, you know, we're struggling with some personal, you know, you know, you know. And others said, is it a cool guy? I said, of course. <laughs> and you know, I... I really struggled with it until the moment when I realized God is teaching me a lesson. That the lesson, the lesson was every single person on that card is really mattering. Don't take it easy. If people have to text you after two weeks and ask again, did you forget about my contact card? And the weight was really heavy until I realized God is teaching me a lesson and it brings our church into a new season that we take it for serious for every single person. And what happened through that by realizing God is teaching me a lesson, I started to build a team and we started to, to create a culture of welcoming. And what happened through it, uh, David Hofer will tell you because he is the one who is responsible and we, he'll tell you what happened throughout the last four years.
Since years, every single week, people become part of ICF and of an ICF group. Since 2016, 1,200 people have visited the Coming Home group. These are 2,600 visits in total. 1,500 requests. Uh, we, we received 1,500 requests and the follow-up team had more than 5,000 contacts in total. And in these 5,000 contacts, we could integrate 1,100 people in an ICF group. Yes, we have a team. Um, a team that helps people become part of a group. We defined the processes and we professionalized the whole process. Wow, yeah. Thank you, David. <laughs> when you realize God is teaching you a lesson, you're going to be serious about what's happening in the dirt. You will, you will ask God, what are you teaching me? And you will take this, the lesson for serious because you don't want to end up going through a breakthrough and then realizing you didn't learn the important lessons. It will feel so much easier if you realize I'm going through a season where God is teaching me a lesson. You will have a yes for God's curriculum. Another yes that you will need is a yes for God's timetable, for his plan, for his timing. You say yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's really hard to trust God that he will be at the right time, but I will place my time in the hand of God. I don't know when the breakthrough is going to happen. I don't know when the fruit is really going to be in my life, but I will trust him. Have you ever had the thoughts that, that you thought about your life and you were like walking around in a circle and you thought, wow, I'm 45 now. I just read in a biography about uh, Martin Luther King. He was 35 and he, when he got uh, the Nobel Prize of Peace. Is that right? Nobel Prize? 35. So uh, that, that is uh, 10 years ago in my life. I'm 45 now. And you walk around and I read another biography. I read about um, Billy Graham. And it said in the book that at the age of 31, President Eisenhower invited him in the White House to bless him. And I thought, these guys in Bern, they should have called me 14 years ago. What am I doing here? I'm 45. Maybe you, you thought about your life. I thought about my life. I said, in 45 people, some in other countries, they are grandfathers. And I'm still playing with my nine-year-old sons, the twins, you know. I still have to play soccer. Others are just in rent. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But if we start to look at other people's lives, we stop trusting God with the timing. And if you look at other people's life, also in Facebook and Instagram, all the people that will show you the fruit, at least the appearing fruit, the fruit that maybe it's really a good fruit or it's the apples, and you cannot uh, distinguish between um, is it real fruit or is it just um, look-alike fruit. And then you will have a gap between your dirt and other people's lives and you have two choices. One, you get depressive and you start to walk around in your life. And the other one, you start to be 
digging again and you try to bring your head out of the dirt at least a little bit so people can see you, you know. You start to fight against God's plan and you, you take things in your own hands. You're the boss of your own plans and you keep your head out and you don't even realize that there is dirt on your head. Have you seen people becoming leaders or boss and it was too early? There was dirt on their heads? Have you seen people getting married, getting children, taking decisions? It was too early. There was still some dirt on their heads. Make sure you plant your time in God's hands because it's really not nice to be in a place where you shouldn't be. David had several moments. He had several opportunities to take the position by his own. He could kill Saul, but he didn't because David respected God's timing for his life. He respected the anointed who was Saul at that time, even though he knew in his heart he was anointed to be king one day. But the one day was the different. He respected God's timing, so he kept his head down. You should keep your head down until God gives you the breakthrough breakthrough that he thought for your life. Let's have a yes for the invisible. If we are a seed in God's hand, planted by God in the place where we live, in our families, in the marriage, even in your single life, God plants you where you are and you should better be championing the invisible times. Because in the invisible times, in places where nobody can see you, you will have the breakthroughs in your heart. And God doesn't look at the appearance. He looks in your heart. David was not seen. Nobody knew him. Even his father forgot about him. And he was with the sheep. God taught him lessons how to lead sheep so he could hand him over people one day. He was fighting against lions and bears at the moments where nobody saw him fighting. And one day he was the king who took the most land of all the kings of Israel. He knew how to fight his fights. This is how I fight my battles. It's in the invisible. It's where nobody can see you. One day God will plant you in a place where maybe people will see you, but it doesn't even matter. There are people who lived on this planet and their seed was planted in a place nobody could ever see it until the moment when they died. But still their seed was bringing fruit for generations. Maybe it's your neighbor. You bring your neighbor to Jesus and this people, this guy will have a multiplication in your village and your city. Maybe it's your children. Maybe you don't know what's going to happen. Just trust God that even if it's dirty, it's digging in the dirt, it's invisible, it's isolated. Think of David and trust God. Be courageous to be a seed in the hand of God that can be planted. I'm talking to you as a leader in the church. I've seen so many people come and go. And it breaks my heart sometimes to see potential come and go. I've almost never seen people who were really bearing fruit, 
who didn't commit their lives to a few people, just a few people. In the beginning it's small, but it will grow and it is in God's hands what's going to happen with your life. It's in church, it's in family, it's in business, it's a principle of God. Say yes to being planted. I don't know what God is talking to you right now, but I'm sure He's challenging you. To be planted means I will serve. I will be here for God. I will listen to His voice. I will do what He will tell me. I will serve people. And that's how David started. He served sheep. I want to pray with you today that, yeah, God will help you to have a yes to being planted, even if it costs your dreams. It only costs your dreams for a, for a certain time. God will be with you along the way. He will teach you lessons and we will learn to champion the path. Jesus, thank you so much that you are the role model we are running after you. And when you were nailed to the cross, you were not jumping down. You even let it happen. You are the perfect seed that was planted in the earth. You were buried and you stayed there for three days. You left everything to be here and to serve, to be a seed in God's hand. And you are the King of Kings the Lord of Lords and the Lord of our hearts and I ask you now Holy Spirit to translate the life of Jesus in every single life that is in here today we want to learn that lesson to be a seed in God's hand Jesus we want to learn from you we want to be more like you teach us how to be a seed planted where we are I bless you that you will be a seed to say yes to your family, to your marriage, to your single life, to the place where you are in your relationships, to find a yes in your working place or having no job and looking after a job and trying to find one. God will teach you a lesson. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you will bear fruit for generations because you are a seed that is planted. And for all those who don't know where they're planted, I ask you, Holy Spirit, show them. Show us. Give us revelations because we all are already planted if we say yes. We live in a certain area with people. We live around a neighborhood. I want to say yes to be a seed there, to die into the area where you planted me, Jesus. Let us stand and worship the God that is a God of generations. Let's stand, please. And let us worship a God who can bring out fruit from your life for generations. Fruit that lasts. Fruit that is really tasted. People will taste Jesus when they taste your life. And it will happen when you're planted and you will grow. And for the next week, few weeks, we will be championing this process because we want to taste like Jesus as a whole church and as every single person. Jesus, we thank you for that. We worship you. Thank you that you chose us, that we are a seed 
in your hands. Amen.